everybody, welcome to the New Dad City Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin P. The lead up to that moment is a whirlwind of emotions. You're nervous, you're excited, so get comfortable, grab yourself a notepad if you want to take some notes. You know, it's just, it's going to be completely unexpected. Do you feel like having kids stopped, like your big plans, like why can't they be part of your dreams? This intense connection can sometimes make dads feel on the sidelines. I got 55 minutes left driving home, so might as well do some talking, I suppose. So, uh, yeah. The, uh, I, I don't know. I guess I got a lot of thoughts going through my head. Yeah, I, thinking about internalizing and externalizing my thoughts, my feelings, um, you know, I, I, I hate saying it over and over again, but I've spoke about this. Those are the words right there. I, I got a, I spoke about this before. I was just thinking about the whole, what kind of dad do I want to be? What kind of man do I want to be? Where do I want to go? And it, it really got me thinking that I think it boils down to like a good versus evil kind of thing, I guess. Because I, I, I genuinely believe that if you're a good person, you have manners, you're polite, you treat others with respect, dignity. You keep your opinions to yourself. You only speak in facts and experience. I, you know, you're gonna get what you want in life. There's just I just see all this, and I used to do it too. So if this is the pot calling the kettle black, so be it. I see so much just complaining. I don't. I I'm not getting what I want. I'm not where I want to be, I'm lonely, I'm upset, I feel like shit, and then you kind of do a little bit of recon, a little bit of creeping, and you find that a lot of these people who are doing all this complaining don't do anything about it. They don't have any personal accountability, honestly. And I've been, I would like to say that I've been pretty good about it, and whether you're tired of hearing me saying it, I, I don't care. But sobriety and that program at AA gave me so many tools to learn how to have this personal accountability and kind of take care of myself, kind of, I don't know what you want to call it, besides... I, the in, uh, there we go. That's why I couldn't think. I was drawing a blank. The personal inventory. And sometimes I'll, I'll do a personal inventory even on myself. Like you look at, I I do it all the time. I, I'm I just to be open and transparent with my character and my person. 
so I could say it out loud and actually work on it and hear myself is self-image issues. I, I, I love going to the gym. Like I post workouts, I post advice. Anybody who knows me knows the gym that I built over the years in my own home. But even if even if I'm working six day working out six days a week, eating what I need to eat, doing what I need to do, yeah, I still I still look in the mirror and I go, well, you know, why don't why don't I look like I want to look? And then I get down on myself. It's like, and then you quit. And these are just a, this is just a simple example. And you fall into a rut of like, oh, I'll never get that. It's like, all right, well. How hard are you working? Not getting results. You need to tweak something. If you're not getting what you want, probably should find another way and not give up. Keep persevering. Oh well, I just don't have. I'm never going to have this. Just it's just because the way it's the way I am. Bullshit. <laughs> Take some personal accountability and personal responsibility and own up to the lack of effort that you may be putting in. But it it just, it really bothers me when, and I know it's none of my business. However, I I just, I, I cannot stand when people just settle and it's like, oh, well, this is just the way it's gonna be. I might as well accept it. The world sucks, and there's nothing I can do about it. I'm just going to be stuck in this rut or funk forever. And I just... Why? Why do you have to feel like that? Why, Why are you not fighting tooth and nail, scraping to find a solution to a problem. And like, that's one thing that Erica and I agree on with parenting. And I'll eventually, I guess, get to the parenting thing. Kind of what the podcast is about. <laughs> and I forget where I, I forget where I learned it as a kid, but it obviously held some weight with me. And I, I've carried it throughout my child or throughout my adulthood from my childhood is I cannot stand when there's someone comes to you with a problem and you go, okay, well, what did you try to fix it? Well, and they don't offer any solution or they don't offer any, any words or solid information verifying that there, there was some effort put into it and they really are struggling and they need your help. And like I said, I forget who taught me this, but it was always instilled through me through anonymous, well, just whoever, Mister Anonymous, that if you have a problem, don't don't come to me without a solution, a possible solution, because then all you're doing is just bitching and whining. And I 100% am gonna forward that philosophy 
and mindset on the axle when he's old, or old enough. Daddy, I can't do this. Why? I just can't. Okay, have you tried something else? No. Okay, come back to me when you when you when you try something. Because if you don't try and you don't let your brain work, because we our brain needs puzzles constantly to solve. Like our brain is a puzzle machine. It needs to solve problems. Otherwise, it's just unless you're just a a sloppy bag of meat, not trying to do anything. A smooth brain. Um, but I, I just, I, I don't fucking get it. I don't, I, I don't see how a paycheck to paycheck, I don't want more in life. It, it's just, and the people, the people who truly want it will go out and get it. They'll do whatever they can. They'll work as hard as they can to get it. And I, I like to, I like to think about all the things that I've wanted and that I've got. When I was just a complete miserable sack of shit, drinking a fifth every day or the equivalent amount in whatever beverage that I picked, I was considered what they call a garden variety drinker. When I got tired of beer, I moved on to liquor. When I got tired of liquor, I moved on to wine. When I got tired of wine, I moved back to liquor, beer, whatever, you know, it's called a garden variety drinker. And I got nothing because all I did was blame everybody else for my problems. And I, I could say that I want, 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 but I, I never got any of it. I always said, oh, I want a girl. But did I ever get a girl? And eh, maybe for like a couple weeks or a month, but then it'd be like, oh, drinking took over. And then it's just, I started ghosting like, Oh, I, sorry, something came up with work, or, oh, my dog is throwing up, I can't make it. The, like, I think the, the craziest one, the craziest thing I did when I was in that shitty mindset, and this was just pathetic, was, and I felt justified at the time, uh, but there was one girl who was really into me, and she was cute, you know, she was, she was alright, it was somebody who I was legit enjoying my time with. And uh, I could recognize she was insecure. I really could. I don't know. I, we weren't too into each other personally because we were just, you know, a few weeks in. And uh, she would ask me, like, do you really like me? Like, do you really have fun with me? And I was like, yes, girl. Yes. I'm not going to say her name. Yes, girl. I really do. And then she'd be like, oh, okay, I'm just making sure. And it just kept going on and on and on. And then we were texting one day, and of course I was fucking tanked, but I remember it. She asked me again, do you do you really like me? And I told her, hey, if you're going to keep asking this, like, I'm not sticking around because I shouldn't have to keep validating your feelings. And she was like, okay, I'm sorry. And then because of that, she started acting differently. And then she finally had the cur. I asked her what was wrong one day. And like, she finally came out and was like, I'm just, and she goes, I'm just, I just don't think you like me. And I was like, that's it. We're, we're, we're done. I'm not dealing with this anymore. And I completely ghosted her. I mean, I got, I definitely got some hate messages and 
you know, I, I think it was along the lines of, I hope you never, it, like, it was bad. Like, she was, she was like, oh, I hope you never find happiness or uh, another girl because I gave you all the attention you ever wanted. And I really liked you. Like, you were, appeared to be a super nice man. And, you know, I, I've been, I was been looking for that. And a goddamn, oh, man, like, I, I felt bad for, like, five seconds. And then I looked over and, like, oh, I can just bury myself in this drink. And I, yeah, I, would, I would drink. And I felt justified. But, like, looking back on it now, and I've thought about this a few times, uh, not anything seriously like I, I, like I miss her or something because, you know, I'm obviously married with a kid. And, you know, that's the woman I want to be with and I love. Just in case she's listening. I know I don't want her to get anxious about anything. Maybe if you're listening, I'm just talking about the past examples. Uh, but after going through my, my inventory in the, the program, I kind of was thinking about stuff like this. And I was like, well, goddamn, like, I never once took into consideration. And maybe she had some body image issues. Maybe she was abused by say her dad or I, I never asked those things. Uh, and, and I mean, I, maybe I wasn't right to ask anything. Cause those are kind of personal questions. Like, Hey, did your dad hit you when you were a kid? Like, is that why you act the way you do? Like, no, I'm not going to ask that. Uh, but I, I even, I could have just been nicer. And I carried that same attitude through several different women, whether it was through one date or five dates through a span of like many years drinking, like nothing, no serious relationships. And I'm sitting there wondering like, well, why, why is nothing working out? It's because I wasn't a good person. I was a freaking prick. I was like, and I, I don't know how none of them ever addressed like, Hey, you kind of, you're always drinking when I'm with you. And I don't, I don't know. Maybe people just, kept their mouth shut and they, they were the better person. They were the good people. They were kind and uh, kept their, kept to themselves with that kind of thing. I, I have no idea, but I, I, uh, I think about those kind of things. So, so the, the main thing that I, that I wanted in life at the, at the time was, you know, some, some things did happen. Well, before I had taken, started that journey of, you know, putting the poison down was there'd be dry, there would be dry spells. That's what we call dry drunk when you don't have a program of recovery, but you just kind of put it down. And this is for like people who are alcoholic directly. Like there are plenty of people who are moderate and heavy drinkers that find a reason like their wife threatens to leave them and they can put their drink down and never touch it again. Like, by definition, you're just a heavy drinker or moderate drinker. Like you're not alcoholic. Alcoholic is, you, you know, one is too many and a thousand isn't enough. You they, like the, the, the old heads used to always tell me when I was, I, I came in and out of the rooms once I relapsed once in the very beginning, but it wasn't really relapsed because I didn't really have recovery. Um, but they said, think of the last time you had a drink. And if you're like, you're questioning if you're alcoholic or not, think about the last time you put, you, you, you put the thought in your head, I'm only going to go out for one. Okay, I just need to release some tension. And you go out and re 
try to think of the last time that you only said you're going to have one or two. We'll even give you credit and say two. You had enough self-control over two. How many times do you remember only having one or two and leaving? And I couldn't. And they're like, yeah, because you have a fucking problem, man. <laughs> like, if that's not enough to convince yourself that you're you're an alcoholic, I don't know what it is. But I guess that's a little bit of my story. I told you, I keep telling you guys I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it, and I never do. I don't know. It's not that I don't have to be in the mood for it. It's just I, I, I really got to really sit down or, like, not think about it, but go through the events in my life. Because, and this ties in with the whole good person thing, I, uh, a lot of, there are so many good things and great things that have happened since April 28th, or no, April 29th, I don't even remember, yeah, April 29th, I had to check it real quick, it's been, it feels like forever, since April 29th, 2020, there have been so many good and great things that have happened in my life because I have changed. I've recognized my character defects and asked God to take them away. I constantly work on myself. I constantly take personal inventory when I identify there's a problem. You know, why do I feel hurt? And, uh, you know, 10 times out of 10, I played a part. But I don't, re- I, I, I can remember the bad things, the awful things. But the difference between the bad things and the good slash great things is that I was only responsible. I was the, the sole proprietor of the bad times. The good and great things, most of them didn't come from me. They came from other folks, other people. And, of course, like, me hitting my milestones of, like... Showing up to work on time, you know, that's a little one, you know, doing my whole, doing my whole program that work assigned me and mandated me. Otherwise I was fired. Little things like that, like good, good comes from that because people realize that you're reliable and it's like, oh, okay. Like that's a good feeling. That is a great feeling. Like I, somebody smiled and shook my hand instead of avoiding me because I looked miserable. So when I, when I look at major things that have happened in my life since I've been sober, before like everything with my wife and me having to call out of work a lot, use FMLA uh, to, to provide for her for her appointments and stuff like that, there was just a string. I think I went through, through a whole year, and this is, this is a good thing. Like if anybody has never called out of work before, like or you can't, you, you're not awarded that privilege, I guess you could say, there was, there was a time, like, after I got sober, like, I didn't call out of work for, like, a year, year and a half, when within the first six months of getting my job at the FAA, I was already known as the earn and burn guy, because every two, every pay period you get four hours of sick leave, and every two weeks, I was burning it. Like, I was immediately knowing that, oh, I, I can get an extra day of drinking in. So I'm going to go ahead and bang out. And I was doing this while I was in training. And in my 13 months of probation, then we have, like, a, a probationary period where basically our boss can say, you know, fuck you, you're fired. No reason whatsoever. After the probationary period, you basically have to 
sexually assault someone and drop the drop a hard R at work, and even then you might not get fired. Like it it, ta- it takes a serious offense to get fired from a government job, a federal job. Uh, but let, let me backtrack a little bit. I, I kind of got off track right there, but still staying on topic at the same. Excuse me. At the same time, if that makes any sense. When I was going through these dry spells, like I got out of the military, and uh, I separated a month early in 2017. My my last day before my terminal leave, which if my non-military folks, terminal leave is so. Say you're separating from the military, and your last day is your your last day your contract is December 31st, and you still have a uh, an amount of vacation days, leave days, you're allowed to file for terminal leave. So if I have 30 days in the bank, I could take 30 days of terminal leave and my last day reporting for duty would be November 30th. Or however, the, what you know what I mean? Like December 1st, December 2nd, count 30 days. Uh, and so what I did is I separated early and I, I got out and I remember, I remember feeling like shit. My ex fiance had left me months prior of me getting out. I was a complete mess. I was drinking every day. I was the crew boss at the time and I would just, and then someone took it over for me who had seniority. And I think I had like four weeks left. I had like a four weeks or a month left or something. And I, I walked up to him and I, I told him, I was like, hey, man, just show me off the schedule. I'm not going to be here. I'm doing appointments. He's like, that's not how that works. I was like, well, yes, it does, and I'm doing it. And I don't know how I got away with it. And uh, I, I, I just drank myself into oblivion. I was missing out processing appointments for base, uh, or I was showing up to them hungover. I showed up to one where I was hungover and I hadn't shaved, and I had to go, I go, I had to go dry shave. My skin's cracked and bleeding. And this is all bad things happening to a bad person. Like, if I was a good person, I wouldn't be drinking like that. I would be showing up to my appointments, clean cut how I'm supposed to look. And there would be no issues. So I I come home for, you know, I get out and I, I go home and say bye to the family for a week because I had already gotten a job contracted in Afghanistan. Uh, I took the air traffic control skills that I had to work for Midwest ATC. In uh, in Afghanistan at, at Bagram Airfield when it was still there, we still occupied it, and we weren't allowed to drink there. the The commander at the time was uh, was was Army, and he deemed for all contractors and any uh, U.S. military members that the base was dry. You couldn't drink. So I was like, "All right, well, cool. I know that I can't drink." So I'm going to turn my life around with all these self-help books. It didn't fucking work because I, I wasn't, it wasn't a program of recovery. And while I was still on a slight, a slighter, a slight better path of being a good person, I still had bad tendencies deep inside because as soon as I went on vacation, we were allowed to take vacation twice there. And rightfully so that place was a fucking mess. We got paid damn good, but it was a fucking mess. 
And every time I went on leave, I don't remember most of it because I would get blackout drunk. The moment that I crossed the Afghanistan border, was it the moment you were flying and you crossed the Afghanistan border, they had beer in the plane waiting. They just weren't allowed to serve it because I think Afghanistan is alcohol-free, dry country unless you get it illegally. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I just remember when we crossed the border, I think over into the, the Pakistan border, they were, here you go. Here's your Coors Lights. Here's your Buds. Then we got to Dubai Airport. You're getting fucked up at the steak restaurant on the third floor of the airport, baby. Let's go. Every single time. I came home to the States. I treated my mom like absolute dog shit, which... Um, that's it's just, that's a rough subject to talk about. Uh, I treated my friends and family like shit, and I all thought that I, I I thought they all thought I was funny with my sarcasm and all that when I was being a bad person. And then I was wondering like, why is nobody paying attention to me? Why am I not getting any love? Well, you're being a bad person. Bad people don't get anything, or they do get what they want, but they're going to ultimately pay for it which happens all the time, 100%. And then I wouldn't remember being home. I, you know, I drink myself into oblivion, get on the flight. And anyway, I repeated this again, except me and my buddy went to Thailand and we partied out there. I don't remember any of it except for, for pictures and very blurry uh, mental images. And then once I found out I got picked up by the FAA, I showed up to Greensboro and uh, was it October 14th, 2018. And I was like, you know, we're done. Like, I can't be doing this shit. Like I finally got the job I wanted somehow. I, I don't know how I was blessed with this. I wasn't praying at the time. I had no sense of spirituality. I had no sense of uh, the universe of me being just this little speck of insignificance in the greater grand scheme of things. I just thought the world centered around me, and I just kept acting tough, kept acting like a, like an asshole. It didn't come until around 20, I think it was in the beginning, it was like February of 2020 uh, or something. That's when I like recognized that I had a problem, and I finally admitted it. Like I, I just That morning, I had to show up at work at 6, and my dumbass would wake up around 4, try to eat as much food as I could. I could never keep it down. I would shower a bunch of times. I would go walk around the block with the dogs. They try to sweat the hangover out, but I was just so far gone and dependent on having any sort of uh, alcohol in my system that I, I was starting to, to get shaky. And being an air traffic controller, yeah, pretty, pretty fucking scary. Someone showing up to work like that. And I'm responsible for hundreds and thousands of lives a day. So I kind of admitted that, well, not kind of, I did. I told my supervisor that I, th I thought I had a problem and everything got pulled. And two months later, COVID hit. So I was sent home for 13 months because I had no medical certifications. And this is how I didn't know that the universe and God works until I look back on it is I started doing what I was supposed to be doing in life. I started acting like a, a good person. I started calling my mom and telling her I loved her and talking to her and updating her and things. You know, my mom was there for me her whole fucking life when my real father left until she remarried and my mom never gave up on me. And it, it, treating her like shit, like my living amendment to her 
And being a good person is I catch up with her at least once a week. Now that I have Axel and she has another grandkid, it's multiple times a week. And it gives me an excuse to call her more and just bullshit with my mom more. Even if we're not fucking talking about anything, I get to interact with my mom more. And I, I know she eats it up. She tells me, like, I'm glad that, you know, we're closer now. Like, I love you. And it's like, man, that feels really good to hear. When I was a bad person, actively being a jerk, I got nothing. I got my mom loved me, but there was no expression of it openly like it is now. Or even if there was, I wasn't seeing it because I was pissed off at her for no fucking reason. Like, oh, I'm not getting this, so you're to blame. No, no, you're just, you're, to, you're a bad person. That's why you're not getting anything what you want. So, like, the, these things start happening once I, I start returning to normalcy. I, I start being a productive citizen. I, I, uh, I start saving my money and, and paying off all this debt that I accrued being a drunk. I, I start actually having second dates with women because I'm being courteous. I'm being chivalrous. I'm honoring them as females, and I, I'm starting to develop this sense of proper masculinity again. And I'm starting to be a positive role model to myself and others who have a problem, have the same problem I do. You know, I'm, I'm becoming this alpha person and not some low-life beta that is blaming everybody else and being a bad person. And I've discussed early on in the podcast, like defining alpha and stuff like that. And I stand strong by it. Like if you're a good person and you know how to do basic things in life, change a tire, use a screwdriver, <laughs> you know, be a good respective man to your wife and provide for her when she needs it. Treat your kids like you would want to be treated as a child. Raise them to be free thinkers. Raise them to learn your knowledge as a, as a man, as an individual, never stops learning. That's alpha and that's masculine to me. And once I started developing this identity, I started realizing that this led to me being a better person and a good person. Oh, I'm going to hold this door open for people. Oh, I'm going to call my sister. I'm going to call my grandmother. I'm going to text my mom randomly. Hey, thinking of you, I love you. I started making friends. That's the one thing I didn't have that I wanted. I wanted friends, excuse me, so bad. And I didn't have them. Why would somebody want to hang out with me? I was an asshole. But once I started showing positivity, once I started developing this optimistic look on life, I used to, I used to say I'm not a pessimist, I'm a realist. And that was just an excuse for my negativity and pessimism. Oh, I'm just calling it how I see it. No, you're being a fucking jerk. You're being a pessimist. Shut up. And the one thing I'd love to do that I, 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 I didn't have before is a, I love to learn. I love to share. I love to help people. I had a sudden realization, maybe in the fourth or fifth episode of doing this, that holy shit, I found my purpose in life. I wanted a purpose in life. I constantly read books. Uh, you know, I've read the, the 12 Rules of Chaos by Jordan Peterson, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by, um, oh, what's his name? I think it's, is it Marcus Mann? Mark Mann? Or Mark, Mark Manna? But the book is called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Sorry, I, I, I froze up there for a second trying to think of his name. Uh, but all this, all this kindness, all this goodness, all these... 
proper acts of acts of living, I guess you would call it. I don't know. Because I didn't know what normal was. I thought I thought being normal was what I was doing prior. And then once I dropped all that, my mind started clearing up and I identified where I was my character defects, my flaws, my shortcomings, and identifying all these all these resentments. I was like, good God. No wonder no one could stand to be around me. No wonder some of my best friends were like, eh, you know, we'll tolerate him. And it's like, it just, I was sitting there with my hands on my head, just blown away. And when I went back to read these resentments, these self-inventory out loud, you know, I, I was giggling the whole time. Like, and I wasn't giggling at the fact that I was so rude and so inconsiderate. And such a, a, a beta man, like, just not owning up to anything and blaming everyone for my insecurities and my failures. It just, I, I just, I, I, I was laughing because I could not believe, I couldn't fathom that this was the person that my mother had raised me to be. And it wasn't. So... Like I said, sobriety happened April 29th, 2020. That was the first full day that I hadn't had a drink. And come August 4th, 2021, August 4th, 2021, yes, is when I met Erica. I had dated a few girls for periods of time. And I, I, I met my, I, I don't know, I'm just going to start over. Screw all that before. So my first, my first full day of not drinking, like I said, April 29th, 2020. And I met my wife on our first date, August 4th, 2021. You guys have heard that story before. I won't repeat it. And I, ha I, I had dated girls prior for a few months. My relationships were starting to get longer with people that I was making genuine connections with. That is something that I wanted. Um, Eric has mentioned this in our Saturday episodes, I believe, but if, if, if I, he hasn't, you know, Eric, Eric's thing with drinking was he wanted to find a connection with people in life and he used the bottle for that. And that's absolutely something that people use it for. But the, the, the problem isn't that the drink, it's not the alcohol. The problem is you as a person. And Eric recognized that, and look where he's at now. He fixed it. And I was looking for a genuine connection. You know, months later, Eric is saying yes to me asking her if she would marry me. And then the wedding happened. And then we find out, you know, the, the, the medicine that I took was worked, you know, worked, and we conceived, and Erica was pregnant. And then Axel's born following year in 2023 and then we find out the medical hardship got approved all of these things i never gave up on uh, and I, I kept working hard towards and i kept remaining a good person and as much as during the tough times when it's you're in the shit you're like well i've been battling for this for so fucking long it's not going to happen 
why would you give up on something that you truly want and truly love? Because that just shows that you're soft and you're dependable. You're, you're not dependable. And if that's the case, why would your wife stay with you? Like they'll go, they'll go find somebody stronger than you. They'll go find the, the alpha gorilla in the tree with the bigger bunch of bananas. And you'll be stuck on the ground with all the peels. I, I, I never gave up on anything. And it was tough. It's really, really tough. The amount of women that I would have to go on dates with just to find somebody. You know, okay, that didn't work out. I'm, I'm not into them in person. Oh, this person's nice. Okay, let's talk about our life goals. Oh, we don't, they don't align. Like, when I finally found Erica and all that shit clicked, I was like, fucking finally. Like, granted, my years of drunkenness don't count towards the amount of time that I worked towards that goal. And hitting that milestone of finding a connection with somebody. It was since April 20th. That's when I really think my life began. That's because I, looking back on it, I could safely say I haven't been a shitty person since that. I, I work for people when they need me to. I switch shifts at work. Um, and just when somebody asks me to do something, if it's within reason, I, I mostly do not say no. I shake people's hands, like, firmly, not the dead fish where you just touch. Guys, sidebar real quick. If you, There's nothing that pisses me off more than a shitty handshake. So if you have a shitty one, and I meet you, and you give me that little bleh, I'm going to say something. And I'm going to correct you right on the spot. Act like a fucking man and have a firm handshake, goddammit. Well, it's like... It goes back in, into the into the beginning when I in the beginning of this episode, however long it is, I can't see the time. But I, I just I don't know how people can be content after battling through all those years of drinking and looking like shit, and me seeing the other side. Really, all I can do is just be a positive influence. And what's funny is that when you're a positive influence all the time. And you're not overbearingly annoying with the positivity. You kind of just let your the actions speak for themselves. Let your actions speak for your word. Or let your actions speak, not your words. One, people can't say anything because you're doing. You're not just talking the talk. You're actually walking the walk, like I've discussed before. There I go saying that again. <laughs> the people who still try to drag you down are one, bad people themselves. Two, they're fucking jealous that you're actually working towards something because they're settling with their shit lives. And three, they're fucking losers. Don't surround yourself with people who act like that. You're never going to get anywhere. You are most like the five closest people you surround yourself with. And there's no excuse for you not to surrender, sur surround yourself with successful people or people you want to be like. If you want to be a couch potato that plays video games and you aspire to be a Twitch streamer, YouTuber... And that's your sole source of income. By all means, do it. Mr. Beast is worth billions of dollars. And if that's your goal and you have enough time to do it, go ahead. I'm not going to sit here and shit on your dreams because that's not the correct thing to do. Hey, buddy, let me clap for you. Go ahead. That's not what I'm about. Let me go look at somebody that I want to be invested with. I, I don't get it. You can hear the disbelief in my voice. 
I just will never understand those types of people who just are okay. And you'll notice if, you know, I, I really, really, really urge you guys, if you didn't do that self-inventory list in the episode that I, I said to do, that I called you guys to do, go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it. Like, really, sit down and just look at all the shit that you're holding inside and just look at how bad of a person you, you're, you've allowed yourself to be. Because the bad people are upset. They are depressed. And until you take control of how you act, and if you act on your thoughts or not, because sometimes your thoughts are not controllable, sometimes things just pop into your head and there's fleeting thoughts. Taking control of yourself and your action and having some sort of self-responsibility and self-accountability will change everything about your life because then you don't have to play victim to anything you don't have to put the responsibility and blame someone else and you can actually when you have the self responsibility and the self accountability the only person responsible for anything you're doing is you and that's truly all it it really comes down to so i guess this is me signing off i hope you guys got the message that i'm trying to put out there be a good person. You'll get what you want. If there's supposed to be a summary here, be a good person. Make sure your side of the yard is clean. And take some fucking self-accountability and responsibility for your actions. Because if you don't, you're going to sit on the couch and blame everybody else. Anyway, carry this over into your fathering, into your dadhood. And take some ownership for who you are. Keep on dadding, fellas.